0: When, uh, when I feel like I can do something to change the situation, I'm in the smallest way, I'm not depressed anymore because I already feel like a person. I feel like, I feel like someone who has voice and power to change the situation. Right. And in that sense, activism for me is healing.
1: I'm Lily Cornell-Silver, and welcome to Mind Wide Open, my mental health-focused interview series. Today, I am talking to Nadia Telekonikova, one of the founding members of the Russian feminist protest band Pussy Riot. Nadia speaks to her experiences in prison, the importance of political activism, and how to take care of yourself while fighting for what you believe in. Thank you so much for watching, and I hope you enjoy. Nadia, thank you so much for being here. Uh, I just want to explain how much... I admire you. I took a class in high school on um, protest music and political activism, and I actually wrote a paper about you. Um, oh. <laughs> I wrote a paper on Pussy Riot. So getting to interview you today is so, so, so exciting. Um, I would love to start just by asking how have you been coping in quarantine?
0: Well, not so bad. Actually, I, um, well, I mean, having in mind this is a tragedy of global pandemic, yeah. I personally survived it. Like we're going through it quite well. Um, because I had a chance to focus on things that I didn't have time to focus on before. Like starting from my mental health to um, just learning new skills, including technical skills like you know, recording my own vocals. And before I was like, I don't, I'm not sure if I can do it, um, maybe uh, there are professionals who can do better than I. Um, but you know, like when, when you're just like, confined in four walls, you don't really have much of uh, a choice, so it pushed me outside of my comfort zone in a in a weird way. Uh, so I've been I've been developing. I couldn't say that I've been enjoying it because definitely it's like really difficult times for all of us. But it definitely pushed me outside of my comfort zone and made me learn new things. What about you?
1: I mean, definitely same boat. I think the you know the weight of the pandemic itself is so intense, and and especially everything going on in the U.S. has been has been a lot to deal with mentally, but personally definitely like needed a little bit of a break from day-to-day life. (laughs) So it's been, it has been helpful for my mental health in that sense, but, but difficult, you know, on, on other fronts. I mean, just to jump right into it, I have had other musicians, musicians on this series and, and we've talked about the impact that art has on mental health, um, but not as much about the impact that art, has on activism so i'd love to talk to you just about that intersection between like art activism
0: and your own mental
1: health well
0: <laughs> art for me is in itself a coping mechanism um because art for me is the best psychotherapy i um since i was released from jail um i'm kind of fucked up <laughs> well i i was diagnosed with depression and PTSD after i was released from jail and for for a, for a good year, I didn't even go to doctors, because I was like, I, I, I was um, I was one of those people who thought, oh, I'm strong, I can I can do it by myself. Depression, it's not about me, it's, uh, maybe I'm just having bad moods, and so like for a year after prison, I was rejecting that it's, it might be happening with me, and then I went to doctor, the doctor was a neurologist, not even... Um, psychotherapist or psychologist, and my doctor was like, "Hey, like we made all the tests, and like, you're you're fine, you're you, you're good, like your body working well. Like there is, should be something in your um, psyche, like like I mean, there should be something different, somatic. Uh, no, it's not somatic. They said it's uh, psychological reasons. Anyway, so. <laughs> They diagnosed me and um, so since then I like sometimes um, I'm going through remission, sometimes uh, it's getting harder, but um, yeah, definitely art was um, really, really helpful to me to get out of depression and I've been working with several psychotherapists, but It was like, I don't know, um, it was not as helpful, I feel, I feel when I'm working with my problems through art, I can help myself and other people as well. Like, for example, a few years ago, I I was not cautious enough, and I ended up in uh, psychologically abusive relationships. Mm -hmm. So I've been in them for one year and a half, and... I got out of there completely destroyed. I was not myself. I forgot like who I am. I was not, I forgot that I'm a feminist. I'm an activist, that I have value. I, I forgot all the good things about myself because that person made me think that I'm just nothing and he can do whatever he wants with me. So getting out of there, as soon as I, 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 I gathered um, enough energy to break up with him, I got out of the relationships and I wrote AP about abusive relationships and about domestic violence and immediately I felt better because I was like oh I can actually work on my own trauma and I can help some other people to who might be going through the same thing.
1: Right amazing and I think I think art is like the most powerful tool in that way possible you know no matter what language you speak no matter what your background is that it just transcends all of that and you're able anyone can connect with you on that level through your art. Um, just to backtrack a little bit for people who may not know, um, you know, you or know Pussy Riot, how did
0: you end up in prison? Well, I've affirmed a song uh, in Cathedral of Christ the Savior, and it's not your normal cathedral. It's, it's more like a trade center. We call it Trade Center of Christ the Savior in Russia because they have luxury shops where you can buy gold and stuff in, in that cathedral, and there is even a car wash for not for a normal curse, but for the VIP curse. <laughs> um, so this is a really, really awkward place. And we went there um, with a really, really simple message. We wanted to protest against Putin because uh, it was in 2012 and elections were coming up. Elections, if you can call them like that in Russian. Mm-hmm. We, were, we were protesting against the position of women in um, Russian Orthodox um, Christian religion uh, because Russian, uh, because women still cannot... Um, women still cannot be priests and, and basically the whole religion revolves around a notion of a woman as a sinful creature whose job here is just to give babies and shut up. <laughs> so we right. didn't quite enjoy that Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So um, we performed the song and um, not even the whole song, we performed only 40 seconds of the song yeah. and uh, we were thrown out of the cathedral by the guards and then we just went away. We went home, and uh, after after two weeks, we were arrested and put in jail for two years.
1: Wow! Oh my God! Yeah, that's crazy intense. <laughs> that is very <laughs> intense. So you, I have your book right here. So you wrote about in reading. Hey. <laughs> Thank I you for read reading ever. it. of course, of course. Um, you write that joy. You write joy is my ultimate capital. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you even found joy in prison. So what did your mental health look like in prison and what were some of the joyful moments uh, and what were some of the darker moments? Like how did you cope with your mental health?
0: The same as in real life outside of prison, my biggest joy is my community, my friends, and my relatives, mainly like all the human connections and animal connections. (laughs) I I get a lot of joy from my hamsters. (laughs) So all the, I'm a really big fan of the book that's called Lost Connections. And the book goes about, um, about skyrocketing depression in our modern society. And the reason of that um, is, according to the author, is because we are losing connections with people who are um, around us. So we are so atomized. And uh, we experience joy and sorrow by ourselves. Um, and uh, that, that's not how our species evolved. It's not natural, so that's why why we feel trapped, we feel hopeless, we feel powerless. Um, So the the solution for that is to connect with other people. And it actually helped me a lot when I was in jail. Um, Mm -hmm. I I made friends friends with people who I wasn't supposed to make friends Mm -hmm. with. So according to law, people who once served in law enforcement, they cannot be in jail in the same cell with people who did not because it can yeah, potentially okay. cause conflict gotcha. okay. so breaking the law my prison officials they put me uh in the cell with this woman uh, who is an ex investigator and they wanted her to report on me so basically she she, she had to report on everything that i'm saying what i'm doing wow. and stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah. It's intense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. You're not you're not just in jail but you have yeah. a person close to you who are yeah. trying to pretend that she's your friend. Yeah. But over the course of time, after after like two or three months, we became real friends and she told me about that story and she was like, yo <laughs> You know, the real reason why I'm here right. is this and that but because we became real friends I cannot mm-hmm. do it anymore. so mm-hmm. I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to tell you like what those like prison officials what the prison wardens are telling me about you yeah. <laughs> so she became a spy that was on my side oh and, my and obviously it's like once once the wardens discovered that they were really really uh, upset upset about that so she she got in troubles and um but she felt like it was worth it because it's like, like she made an actually humane gesture um and she chose friendship and i i've seen people doing stuff like that um risking their freedoms risking their uh, ability to get a parole one person she was about to get a parole because she was me and she was a friend of mine. She, she had to stay in jail for a longer period of time because yeah. she was punished by the prison officials.
1: Yeah. And it was really really
0: a dark moment but at the same time you realize that like how, how dedicated people are to friendships so they are willing to risk their freedom to support someone they love. Right. And there was something that helped me to go through but at the same time, it hit me really hard because you know like you asked me about darkest moments, and the same moments were the darkest moments because when you see people being punished for being friends with you, yeah. it's it's really intense because it's not you who are punished; it's, it's the person who you love, and it's so hypocritical. And honestly, just fuck those prison officials who do things like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And how? I mean, you said that you have struggled with PTSD and end depression since. Um, being out of prison, how do you deal with that on a daily basis? Like do you have practices or coping tools that you use?
0: Well, exercises help a lot. And I used to I used to be a person who was really, really detached from my body because I was growing up in the city, um, it's like one of the northeast city on earth and it's really, really polluted. Small industrial city on the north of Russia. And you so effectively you cannot spend any time outside so i was growing up being a bookworm yeah and all i knew was books that's it i was not even aware of, aware of existence of my body oh, <laughs> I was wow. like, what? yeah that's i was like ideal as idealist as it gets
1: totally
0: <laughs> so when i got out of jail and i got some recommendations from doctors like hey like you really should start exercising because you feel like really detached from your body and it really affects your mental health I was like, no, that's not important. I can just choose something, like I can decide. I'm strong enough to decide something in my uh, ideal, like in, in my head and it will happen. And then it didn't like I mean, I realized this time that you really need to take care of your body to protect your mental health. And they are going together like Meb trip. straight, you know, you cannot really separate um mind from body, even if you want to. Totally. So, and all sorts of stretches, and even in prison, I was stretching a lot, and it really helped me to go through. Yeah. I looked incredibly weird, because <laughs> all, all prisoners around, they were, I don't know, smoking and drinking yeah. this, like, crazy tea, like, crazy strong tea that makes mm-hmm. you even high.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> like this. <laughs> and and I, was, I was trying to exercise, to run, to do push-ups, and that helped me. So weirdly enough, I think prison was my first step to, to be aware of my body and how it affects my mental health. It's kind of meditation. I didn't, unfortunately, I'm not that person who can sit and meditate. I'm too distracted for that. But when I run, I can focus on some thought, like, I don't know. It's, it's like running meditations, if it makes sense to you.
1: Totally. No, completely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I definitely, like, I find meditation... I'm I'm have totally the same issue where it's hard to just sit still and like empty my mind. Um so doing things like walking meditations or like swimming or even like playing piano for me is like meditation. Yeah. Um, so things like that are super helpful.
0: Playing piano is not awesome, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I used to I used to hate it so much when I was a kid because my mom she forced me to do to, to take a piano lessons. <laughs> and I was <laughs> hating my mom so much for that. <laughs> But now I'm like, mom. I hate to say it, but I think you were right. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: exactly. I used to beg. I used to say, please let me quit. Let me quit. My mom was yeah. like, be happy one day. And now I'm very happy. Now I'm happy that I do it.
0: <laughs> See, we're living in super distracted and super fast world, and and sometimes we just don't have enough space within us to process our emotions. And I. I found out that reading books and just actually like there's no distractions like with like telling myself like I'm not looking on my phone or anywhere for for an, at least an hour <laughs> which is like a big fucking deal in our world no <laughs> yeah <but> an hour <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so and within this hour I can I read the book like sometimes I think my thoughts and I realize that I go deeper than I would go if 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 I would be if I, if I would allow myself to get distracted easily because this is our instant reaction in our world in 2020. If we're bored like tiny bit, we're going to okay. check our Instagram, oh. and it became so natural. So I was like, wow! I actually forgot what actually solitude and boredom is, and they're really valid emotions that we need to we need to feel sometimes to go deeper within us.
1: Definitely. <laughs> Definitely, Um, and I wanted to bring it back really quickly to um, you know like your mental health within political activism. Obviously, fighting against the patriarchy, fighting for your rights as a woman, rights of all women. How does that impact your mental health? Like fighting for your own rights, you know, as as a group, as a demographic. Like that's obviously very intense because it can feel you know I would imagine feel pretty hopeless at times. So how did you um, take care of your mental health within that?
0: The thing is. Uh, sometimes i'm like am i a really good person to make this kind of advice because i find myself so mentally um fucked at times but you know i think i think i am because because like i'm going through phases and sometimes i find myself really low but then i have these coping mechanisms to get out of there so i feel like Mm -hmm. yeah i can i can do that i can gain connection with other people and realizing that it's not just your struggle Right. um, helps me a bunch, because sometimes I feel trapped in something that I call Napoleon complex of an activist, which means I'm here, have to solve all the world's problems. <laughs> because when we see a problem, it's natural for us as humans to want to solve it. But the next step should be like, oh, I cannot solve it by myself, so I need to and to build community, I need to reach out to other people and they will help me to solve this because like I am alone, I don't have capabilities and I don't have power to, to deal with this.
1: Right, right, right.
0: So and, and just be a little bit more forgiving uh, to yourself, uh in terms of because sometimes you feel like, Oh, I made this and that and that and I work really hard, but I don't see that something has changed. And so then a little bit of historic um, a rating can actually help because you know when you read about big inspiring activist figures I don't know like Martin Luther King you realize that they were depressed at times and they felt hopeless at times but then you see how much actually they achieved on a on, on historic level and you realize the price of changing histories and so, if you if you feel like you wanna even you wanna be part of it, that's okay to feel sad. That's okay to feel hopeless at times. But then, I guess it's important to realize that um, activism doesn't work according to capitalist ethics. And I write about this in my book because I, I see it a lot, especially in activists who just come to the field. Um, I don't know, like, who were in activism like, for a year. So they still think that uh, activism works according to capitalist economy, which means I'm giving you a dollar and you give me an apple. So, unfortunately, it doesn't work like that here. So if we participated in 10 rallies, if you wrote 100 blog posts, it doesn't mean that yeah. things will change. Sometimes you can make one rally and it will change the course of history. Sometimes you can make 100 rallies and nothing will change. So what I mean, it's um, societal processes. They don't, um, systemic changes, they don't work in linear ways. And you just have to deal with it. It's like kind of, do you know Chris, uh, Chris Hedges?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: He's so fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, not a lot of my American friends know him because he doesn't have access to big, TV channels like, like, and mainstream media don't show him, but he's like I, I think he's the biggest philosopher of our like one of the biggest philosophers, yeah. political philosophers of our age, and uh, he he taught me that um, you have to um, you have to keep making stuff as an activist as an activist just because of moral imperative, not because you actually expect that you just lower your expectations maybe sometimes <laughs> I, I, I don't know it's like it's, it's really a really difficult issue because right. like maybe some people might might find what I'm saying right now depressing because they will be like mm-hmm. yeah yo like why would I even start being an, activism, an right. activist if I cannot expect rewards right away right. but I feel like we don't have to expect rewards right. and like for example In 2012, after um, seven, eight, after five years of activism, I felt like I totally did not achieve anything. So I've been working hard for five years. I spent most of my time not on my education, not on my work, not on uh, anything, but on activism. And then I just ended up in prison. Putin was um, elected for the third time as president. And uh, I felt totally defeated. I felt like fuck, it's like all work was wasted, but looking back from 2020 and um, actually talking on a daily basis with all those amazing young queer feminist activists from Russia who tell me every day that um, Pussy Riot case and Pussy Riot actions were something that actually helps them to become activists. And Partly because of our actions. We have right now a lot, a lot of young people who are identifying themselves as feminists or queers or um, who are not afraid to say that they're gays. Um, I feel like, wow, it's, at times I felt like I'm totally defeated, but actually, we did achieve a lot.
1: And I think that's so important to talk about right now. I was really excited to talk to you because I think with with all of the, you know, structural racism and and systemic racism that's coming to light in the U.S., it's super important to talk about what the impact that activism can have on your mental health because it is, as you were saying, something that can feel really overwhelming and really defeating and depressing at times.
0: Just believe that sometime in the bright future, maybe not tomorrow, Maybe not next year, things will change, but we have to push really hard today. We don't have another choice.
1: Definitely. And in that vein, you write about, you wrote your book in 2018,
0: right? In uh, 16. Oh, no, no, no. 17. I forgot myself. In 17. (laughs) It it happened right after Donald Trump was elected.
1: Right. Okay, so that's what I wanted to ask, because you write about Trump in your book. Um, And wondering now if you would say anything differently and what you think the importance of this upcoming election in the U.S. is.
0: Well, regarding Donald Trump in this year, Mm -hmm. um, I'm not American, so all I can do is just to advise, I guess, vote against Donald Trump, whatever it is for you. I'm not endorsing anyone who is running for president (laughs) right now because I don't feel like it, but I feel it's crucial to... Um, to vote against Donald Trump, because I am so much with Noam Chomsky on this. I feel like Donald Trump is one of the most dangerous politicians in uh, our history. And um, looking right now and what's happening in California, we've seen those pictures from San Francisco. It's absolutely, absolutely terrifying. It looks like apocalypse, those um, orange skies and, 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 and fires. Looking at those pictures and, um, and saying that climate change is not happening makes you, makes you an evil person. Yeah, that would, yeah, that yeah. would be the right thing to say. Definitely. So we just, we just got to get rid of him. And also, as a Russian, I have to tell you that the um, United States has a big weight on, um, on policies of other countries. Mm-hmm. So, Vladimir Putin, my president, who's not really my president. He points uh, at what Donald Trump does a lot, and he yeah. points at him uh, when Donald Trump makes the most at- outrageous evil shit. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: So Putin points at that, and he's like, oh, look, he does it. It means that right. I can do it too. Right. So it's not damaging only for the US. It's damaging for all the world, because we are all living in an interconnected society.
1: Absolutely. And, and, and just politics in general have, you know, as as you know better than anybody, have weighed so much on my mental health. Like I see the way it weighs on the mental health of the entire nation and having someone like Trump or someone like Putin in office is, you know, only only adds to the depression, only adds to that like existential crisis feeling. This question is from my teacher, Darren, who taught me the class about you and Pussy Riot. Um, and I asked him if he wanted to ask anything. I was like, do you have anything you'd want to say? So we were both wondering if there was ever a point for you where you felt like you had to back off of your political activism in order to take care of your mental health. I mean, I know like you, your daughter was four when you went to prison, right? So like taking care of your mental health, taking care of your daughter, your family, was there ever a point where you felt like you had to, like, step away? And was that difficult for you?
0: Well, for me, activism is, uh, is a tool to work on my mental health. Wow. Because, <laughs> weird, but, um, look, the way I function is when when I read the news, and they are depressing yeah. most of the times, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I have to do something about this. Yeah. And I feel like what is depression? Depression is learned hopelessness, helplessness. So hopelessness and helplessness. Yeah. When um, when I feel like and do something to change the situation even in the smallest way, I'm not depressed anymore because I already feel like a person. I feel like I feel like someone who has voice and power to change the situation. Right. And in that sense, activism for me is healing. Amazing.
1: Uh, There's a quote from Gloria Steinem where she says uh, that depression is anger turned inwards. And I think that's how amazing of activism as a tool because, you know, I... I'm sure we all experience a lot of anger towards how things look in society and in our government right now. And being able to externalize that and turn it into political activism is kind of a way to counteract that depression. So I totally, I totally hear what you're saying.
0: While it's important to care about your mental health, it's important also not to think about yourself 24-7. And sometimes when you are depressed, that's what you tend to do and they start to harm you. So... Activism pushes you outside of this upward downward spiral and it makes you think about other about other people and how you actually Can reach out to them and help them? so when you help other people you think about something else rather than yourself Mm -hmm. and being distracted is a really helpful thing when you are depressed and also helping other people makes you happy (laughs) yeah that's like one of the biggest tools is
1: is to step outside yourself yeah what is something that's giving you hope right now
0: what gives me hope is that um i see young people all around the world becoming more and more politically involved and politically aware about important things like climate change like um feminism like queer issues and this is something that definitely gives me hope. This is something that I could not see uh, coming ten years ago or fifteen years ago when we started our activism. We we were doing what we did fifteen years ago, um, thinking that we will remain um, just a, just you know just a tiny a uh, tiny amount of freaks who are trying to uh, oppose to the majority, who will be conservative. Uh, but seeing that it's, it's pretty different today. In, in 2020, I see that majority is becoming more aware and more progressive. And so I'm really hopeful about our future. But again, we need to act really fast because things like climate change um they're not they're, it's not going to stop unfortunately and makes us and, and give us time to think. <laughs> we don't have time to think. we just we just have to act on certain things so i'm positive about the future but also um but also i know that we need to start being even more involved in activism so there are a number of pressing issues that we, we need to address like right now <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, that what you said about climate change is I think rings true for for many issues these days. Is like, yeah. like yeah, there, there's no there's no more time, there's no more time to wait. And I think for our generation especially, like there's a lot of weight on our shoulders. Um, and, I, and I know your daughter's young too; she's growing up in that generation.
0: My daughter is twelve, and she's she's amazing. I like she gives me a lot of hope because yeah. I was not I was not preachy with her. I was trying not to be. I was cool. I mean i am cool i'm like yeah i mean you you can choose for yourself like i just give you information she really supports what i'm doing she supports pussy Riot. she she uh is aware of what's happening in her country she's aware of um, that there, there was this poisoning of uh, famous russian politician Alexei Navalny. um who who has survived, but uh, he's in critical condition right now. So she talks with me a lot about him. She talks with me in depth about all the issues. And I'm impressed by that. So I'm I'm really confident that there are good amount of young people to who we can pass our
1: planet. Amazing, yeah. And I mean, that's what I've seen just... In Seattle, there was a lot of Black Lives Matter movement stuff happening just in my own city, in my own neighborhood, and seeing how much of it was being run by people my age or people younger, slightly older than me, was really, really hopeful and awe-inspiring and and good to see. I feel the same way that that our generation, where things are in good hands right now.
0: (laughs) And Also, another thing about age, I remember when I was um, 16, 17 and i was telling people around me that i'm an activist and i care about this and that and, that, and nobody treated me seriously i feel like wow. the situation is shifting it's so really difficult for young especially girls because nobody treats us seriously and just yesterday i was thinking about that issue so basically the life of every woman is split into parts at first they tell you that you're not big enough you're not grown up enough to care about things and, and, and be angry about stuff because you're stupid as they think. And the second part of your life is when they tell you, Oh, you're too old to say things like that. So mm-hmm. I'm slowly going to the second part and I'm already getting these comments. I'm thirty, but I'm getting these comments like why do you act like you're fifteen years old? Like why do you why are you so angry about certain issues? Like why are you so radical? At this point of your life you have to be happy about your kid and I don't know, like and cook. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, yeah, sexism is attacking us. I see like things are shifting slowly. It's it's more comfortable for young people to be activists, and um, it's not so normal to bully them for their age as it was when I was fifteen. <laughs> and,
1: and you know, as, as a young woman, like in my own experience, trying to you know create conversations around mental health and and talking about you know, the importance of voting and, and talking about the importance of racial justice, I totally, I receive similar backlash of like, you you don't know, your t- you're just a girl. Like, how could you possibly know what you're talking about? You know, like you're you're a young woman and it's like, I, I probably know more than you. <laughs> We're being Definitely. No, it's, it's just totally, yeah, I totally get that. I totally get Fuck that. Fuck them, really.
0: Like, <laughs> you are smarter than they are for sure because they say, outrageous stupid stuff like that that means that you're stupid not you (laughs) and not
1: me exactly thank you so much for being here it was so I've been so excited about this for like so many days Everyone like oh my god you will not believe who I'm interviewing Um, so thank you so much I admire you so much and your activism thank you it's absolutely absolutely something I, I strive to achieve so thank you so much for being here
0: much love to you and it was really amazing to talk to you
1: Thank you. Thank you. Amazing. If you like this episode, please subscribe in Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave us a review.